now it's time for Rod and Real Radio with your hosts, Hop Along John Cassidy, fresh and saltwater expert angler Stan Vanderberg, and all-around outdoors fishing and hunting enthusiast Wendy Toshihara. Rod and Real Radio brought to you by El Cajon Ford at Broadway and Main or online at ElCajonFord.com. Whether it's time for a new or used car or truck or you need to take advantage of San Diego's best quick lane for service with genuine Ford parts, brand name tires at competitive prices, remember nobody beats El Cajon Ford. We have some fantastic guests and reports lined up for you this evening, so sit back, relax, and get ready for the fastest two hours in radio. It's all right here, right now, on Rod and Reel Radio, the best stop on your radio dial for all the information you need for fishing opportunities all over the United States. Now here's your host, Hop Along, John Cassidy. Thank you, Mark Larson, and welcome everybody to another Sunday edition of Rod and Reel Radio. I am indeed your underfished host, and it is our pleasure to welcome you to tonight's show. I think we've got a real informative, fun, jam-packed show for you tonight, so I'm glad you tuned in. I think you're going to make it worth your listening. We're going to have Mike Ferrier with us tonight, and Mike Ferrier is going to talk a little bit about the history of tuna fishing here in Southern California, recreational tuna fishing, that is. I think you're going to find it interesting because he'll talk a little bit about the fish and the equipment that was used at the turn of the century to catch some of the big tuna that were caught at that time. The folks from Extra Tough Footwear are going to be with us, and we're going to talk about some of the models of footwear that they make that I think you're going to be needing come this fishing season. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the next hour and a half of Rod and Reel Radio. We'll be back after the show. Stan and Wendy, without ado, I've been trying to get this guest on for a long time because he is such a source of information on fishing out here on the West Coast, fishing California, fishing around the world, techniques, tackles, bringing young people into this sport. It's my pleasure to introduce our listening audience to Mike Farrier. Mike, welcome to Rod and Reel Radio. Well, thank you, John. That's a wonderful introduction. And, Wendy, how in the world have you been? I haven't talked to you in ages. Hope you're doing I'm well. I'm wonderful, and, uh, and congratulations. It's so nice to hear from you. Thank you. And, Stan, as well, I haven't uh, had the pleasure of meeting you, I don't believe, before, but I enjoy being with you guys tonight. And Welcome. after an introduction like that, I, I don't know where to start except uh, when John and I talked the other day about coming on the radio, we talked about uh, California's history and its role in uh, the segment of the sport, let's call it, is big game fishing. And I, I thought that, you know, that would be an interesting topic. I know that we have a lot of knowledgeable listeners out there. Uh, but, you know, this has been a passion of mine for over 40 years. And aside from being historian at the IGFA, John, I'm also historian for the Tuna Club for the past 25 years. And that's really the birthplace of big game fishing. So when I came into that organization, already being a, a historian and a collector, I was a kid in a candy shop, if you will. It, it just... Virtually everything that started in California started with the Tuna Club. Well, tell us about the Tuna Club, Mike, because a lot of people, they hear the Tuna Club. Where was it located? How was it organized? And and what was sort of like the mission statement of the club when they first organized? Well, the mission statement, to go backwards on you, was fair play to game fish. And uh, the Tuna Club resulted um, at the turn of the century. The first tuna at Avalon were actually caught in 1896 by a gentleman, C.P. Morehouse, a uh, Pasadena resident. Uh, but in the following years, 1898, Charles Frederick Holder 
the Tuna Club founder, established the Tuna Club after he'd caught what he and his friends dubbed the first large one. It was a 183-pound bluefin, fine fish. If you'd seen the tackle he used, you just wouldn't believe he could have brought it in. Uh, their goal was to uh, stop the handline fishing, which existed on the West Coast, particularly for any bigger fish, uh, black sea bass, uh, tuna were being caught by handline, and there was some commercial activity toward them at that time, though the nets hadn't come. But Holder had a lot of experience on the East Coast. His father was the first curator of the Natural History Museum in New York City. He knew firsthand how uh, pressure on the particularly on the pelagic fishes, uh, could bring about their slaughter. And what he didn't like when he first came to Catalina was the men throwing uh, hand lines out and pulling in white sea bass and yellowtail as fast as they cast. You know, each tide, we all know what it's like in Mexico when you see those little school fish get pushed up on the beach by by the larger game. And uh, that's the way it was then. It must have been great to be here. So he <laughs> set about to try to bring tackle uh, into Catalina Island, which he claimed to have caught the first yellowtail. Uh, in history on a raw and rail. And secondly, his purpose was to uh, bring together fellows that also appreciated the idea of turning it all into a good sport. The founding of the Tuna Club, after that large fish was caught, uh, did a lot for angling in general. It essentially elevated the sport. It was the first time that people had actually used balanced tackle, requiring the Tuna Club uh, to become an active member. You had to catch a certain size fish, say an over 100-pound tuna, on linen line, 24 thread, which is about a 62-pound test. Uh, at the time, it was very difficult to do because, again, the reels were all straight drive, knuckle busters spinning backwards. Rods were often two-piece, and, and uh, with a fish that size, you can imagine how many of them were broke trying to lift these things. So at any rate, what we did was establish uh, these rules, and so you became a member by skill, uh, not by the quantity of fish you brought back, but uh, rather your ability to catch them at a certain size. And it wasn't until 1906 that light tackle was introduced in California, uh, but that also was the tuna club design. It uh, uh, came about as a result of the big tuna leaving us for a few years and an influx of yellowfin tuna, which had never been seen in California prior to that year. After these yellowfin came in and everybody switched to the light tackle, eventually in 08, we even had ultralight tackle, 3.6 tackle. It came in vogue. Suddenly the big guys came back for some years. So the tuna club now had light and tackle and heavy tackle to use, so it gave them a number of more buttons. And, of course, we started recognizing marlin, which we caught here uh, before anyone else in the world on rod and reel in 1903, and broadbill swordfish in 1913, uh, the first to be captured at Catalina Island as well. Uh, and uh, so to this day, we remain true to those uh, angling rules. We are also very proud of the fact that uh, not only were they first, but they were adopted by legitimate angling clubs all over the world. I'm very much involved uh, with the IGFA history as well and uh, had proven that California actually wrote the first rules that all of us adopted, including much of the IGFA. Mike, let's. Uh, I know Stan Whitty and I just have a bunch of questions just from uh – what uh, you have uh, just said. So let me uh, ask the first questions. Uh, uh, with the the tuna that were coming in, were they, the first tuna that were coming in, were they bluefin, were they albacore, and then when you say the bigger tuna, were those the yellowfin, or was it vice versa, or was the species mixed, or what, what exactly was happening in those early years? Well, in chronological order, uh, albacore have always been here and were part of the sport before the tuna club uh, was founded. They, they were at the island. 
but it was only bluefin that came in great numbers that allowed the tuna club members to become active. That, that was uh, that was the required fish. They used to chase schools of uh, flying fish. In fact, their first name uh, was called leaping tuna. And tuna itself originated at Catalina Island by uh, the oldest resident there, uh, a fellow nicknamed Mexican Joe, the oldest resident, as I say. And he sort of uh, used the name that the East Coast had the tunai and, and tunas and other names and sort of just scrambled it up and simplified it, called it tuna, which name stuck and is used, of course, and recognized all over the world at this point. The yellowfin didn't come in until 1906. And when they came in, they were small. They were school-sized fish, uh, eventually coming up into the 50-pound range by around 1978. Uh, but it was all bluefin. That was, the, that was the whole business when the club was founded. You know, Mike, the, the yellowfin originally had the name, I think, Allison Tuna. And Do you know how they got that name and how it just then just kind of settled out to be yellowfin? Well, Allison, if I remember right, was partly due to the name of the person who caught some of the first large ones. And, you know, they have the, the very large uh, uh, fins, anal fins, you know, re reaching back toward the tail section. Uh, Allison was used until the 1950s. Uh, very commonly used, and then it, it uh, gave way to just the yellowfin. We started naming their, the fishes, if you, if you look at them, a lot of the, the colors of the fins to sort of aid anglers. So bluefin, you know, as an example, yellowfin, uh, to help distinguish them. In fact, there was a lot of, uh, with smaller bluefin, or uh, smaller yellowfin, rather, I mean, there is a little confusion sometimes between them, and sometimes even albacore, the pectoral fins can get pretty long. Hey, Mike, we got to take a break right now. Uh, can you stay over for a couple more segments so we can talk a little oh, more to, of the history of tuna fishing here on the West Coast? Yeah, i got a love couple of questions here. Oh, for uh, sure. Hey, that's Stan Vandenberg. Wendy Toshahar is with us. I'm Hop Along John Cassidy. We are broadcasting to you live from Angler's Arsenal in La Mesa, California. We have Mr. Mike Ferrier. He is with the IGFA. He is the historian for the IGFA, but he is a whole lot more than that. We're talking about the history of tuna here on on the West Coast. Got to take a break right now, but we'll be right back after these messages. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. This is John from Angler's Arsenal. Since 1983, Angler's Arsenal has served the needs of the fishing community throughout Southern California, and now we are continuing that tradition out of our new retail store on Woodside Avenue in Lakeside. I invite you to make the trip to visit with Chuck, Dan, Jonathan, and Marvin and draw from the wealth of fishing information my crew has amassed over the many years of fishing experience. They will make your time on the water more productive. When it comes to products, Angler's Arsenal carries all the major brands you've come to know and trust over the years. My knowledgeable staff will make sure 
you are fitted with the right quality tackle you've been looking for. We're known for servicing those reels and rods you've depended on and used over the course of the season. Bring them into us and we'll make sure they work and look better than the day they came out of the factory. Angler's Arsenal is also the home of Western Plastics, your one-stop shopping center for the fresh and saltwater hand-poured plastics you've depended on since 1985. Looking for those specially wrapped fishing rods? Angler's Arsenal can build you a stick that will put a hurt on any mean old fish that comes your way. Now we're open Monday through Sunday, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Give us a call at 619-466-8355 to discuss your fishing needs. Or better yet, stop by and visit with us at 12255 Woodside Avenue in Lakeside. Quantum Fishing's gone and done it again for you with the brand new redesigned Smoke PT Reel Series. Everything from your spinning reels all the way to your bait casters, the PTA design has the new PTXA frame, lighter, stronger, bone crushing drag quantum fishing we are performance tuned check them out at anglers arsenal in la mesa or anglersarsenal.com or give us a call at 619-466-8355 hey everybody this is a message for our listeners from a new baja magic lodge at cedros island cedros outdoor adventures wants to make your dream of fish at cedros island a reality want to go after giant calicos or yellowtail with the best cedros island fishing organization but you just don't know who to contact. Then give Cedros Outdoor Adventures a call at 619-793-5419, or even better yet, log on to their informative website at cedrosoutdooradventures.com. There you can visit their trip calendar and schedule a trip that's convenient for you. Once again, the phone number is 619-793-5419, or their website of cedrosoutdooradventures.com. This portion of Rod and Reel Radio is brought to you by the Rockley's Fish Release System. Now you can quickly and easily release fish suffering from barotrauma back to the depths they were caught. Look or ask for the Rockley's at your local fishing tackle dealer. Hey, and welcome back to Rod and Reel Radio. I'm Hopalong John Cassidy. We are talking with... Mike Ferrier, historian for the International Fish and Game Commission. Stan Vandenberg's with me. Wendy Toshahar is also with us. We're talking about the history of big tuna fishing on the West Coast. And, Mike, Stan had a question for you. Stan, you want to take it away? Well, you know, I had friends that were in the tuna club back when. and uh, I mean, I I grew up fishing the ocean and out here with my dad, and mostly the half-day stuff, and then the overnighters to the island, and... Once in a blue moon, we'd see the tuna coming in, in between the islands there, and, uh, and mostly it would be the albacore. But I mean, there were there were stories of guys catching the albacore off the piers back when too. But I didn't get a chance for that. A lot of bonita, whatever else. But I know that we'd had, oh shoot, it was about the late '80s or early '90s uh, that that. One year where the big bluefin, that eight and nine hundred pound stuff, came in here uh, and running around the uh, uh, Catalina and, and in between the islands, I actually got to see one of them up close and personal. Actually, two of them uh, while we were fishing the Marlin Sweepstakes tournament over there. They they jumped out of the water right next to our boat and we turned away because that wouldn't have been a good thing to hook up in a Marlin tournament. But is that was that the style fish? That the Marlin, I mean, the uh, Tuna Club was targeting that really big bluefin. No, you know they're more an anomaly than than the, than the regular, as you probably know. Our California record was set by a Tuna Club 
give her a 251-pound bluefin in 1899. Uh, bluefin that cruise through here that, of that size, often they're deep. According to scientists, they don't often surface, uh, and uh, while they have been caught by commercial boats, that particular year I remember very well, and that was uh, that was pretty outstanding. Yeah. Uh, and there's been a lot of talk of it. There were members who had hooked some uh, one battle for 14 hours before it uh, was found floating by the crossing ferry. Uh, that may have been that size, but you know they're pretty rare, uh, as we know. They're, who knows how many they really are because we know so little about their travels. But most tuna do travel deep. Uh, they don't always surface on our coasts. We, in, in recent years, we seem to have to bait them up to even get them to come up to the surface. We do see some breakers, but also about in that time, there was a good run of uh, decent bluefin about uh, 90 miles south of us here, and we had a lot of 100-pounders in that mix. And I can remember days out there during those years where you could see acres and acres of fish. Uh, some of the party boats, I remember having counts of over 100 big bluefin. Uh, I don't know if you remember that, but they you know, they do come through. They're not all gone. It's just a matter of them coming in. Currents have a tremendous uh, play in how their activity comes. I've, I have actually caught bluefin tuna at the 60-mile bank straight on the bottom catching rockfish uh, is 600 feet deep mm. with a diamond jig So in December. So we don't really know, you know, a lot about these fish or what their habits are. But even when we meter them today uh, and they're down deep, uh, remember it's already cold there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they, they don't really care about the temperature. It's the bait fish that they chase that care about the temperature because that's the cycle of life. They need to be up in the oxygenated area where they can pick up uh, photoplankton and the like to eat. You know? So that's uh, that's all we know about them. <laughs> There's a lot we don't. They eat a lot of squid and, and uh, yeah. down Mike, deep. tell us a little yes. bit about the tackle. You mentioned that when the tuna club uh, came into existence, uh, they didn't have the type of tackle to handle these fish. Had the tackle uh, been already starting to evolve on the East Coast with the uh, the big bluefin fishery that they had back there, or did uh, did these guys start going back to the manufacturers and saying, hey, we need this, we need this, and the manufacturers responded to it? Well, that, that's an interesting question. But first off, let me set the stage. There were no bluefin caught on rod and reel on the East Coast until after the tuna club had been catching Oh, bluefin. no kidding. Really? That was a later event. Right? That was much later, in fact. Uh, Zane Gray's record, if you remember him having one up there, I think that was 1918 or something, was a big piece of history. Uh, the fellow, Lori Mitchell, who became his fishing companion almost for life, uh, was working as a guide at that time. Laurie had the record before him. So it was a relatively new fishery because of the attack. So what happened uh, was a great American story. In the in the Kentucky area, there were people who developed a beautiful casting reel. They, they put the reel on top of the rod, and the Kentucky reel was born and allowed us to throw baits long distances. We went to the East Coast when the stripers emerged uh, shortly before the Civil War as a big game fish, developed casting reels of the same method on the top of the reel. Uh, and then we could cast long distances out offshore with that and, and capture these fish. When the Florida tarpon were discovered in the 1880s, it was the same model, and that set the standard. There were two primary makers at that time, Edward and Julius Baumhoff, dominated the market. And when the California tuna were discovered uh, in the 1890s, those reels were used, just the 
sharpen reels we used uh, for the first captures. Uh, we did have them build them up a little bit. So instead of the four sizes and, and uh, the five, we actually had a few six O's made. Uh, and that was the extent of it. But Americans set the stage for the world to follow with regards to the over reel. And uh, the only exception to that were the British who maintained fishing under reels uh, well into the 30s and even into the 40s. It's some beautiful under reels, but uh, overall the, the Western style won out. Michael, you know, if, uh, as, a, as a collector, if you had one of those Kentucky reels right now, let's say the 6 ot what would that reel be valued at? Well, um, first off, um, the Kentucky reel was for freshwater. I, I was trying to give you the, the oh. scenario of how it got to the ocean. Um, and secondly, not, not to say they didn't make some. I, I do have some meek saltwater reels, but they were very rare. Um, and, and then secondly, I'm a collector and not a dealer, so I'm always hesitant to put prices on uh, on items. There are a number of people who are involved in, in uh, uh, you know, collecting tackle for sale, and those fellows are all the ones that are up on the pricing. Uh, and there's a lot of very good ones in town. But uh, for me, it's it's really just having it. I've paid little, I've been given some, and I've paid a lot for others. So for me, it, it's not uh, not not the kind of thing I like to put an exact value on. I think that uh, beauty's in the eyes of the beholder, if you will. Well, I guess now the question is, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Did the reel come first? Did the rod come first? Or did they uh, evolve <laughs> simultaneously? <laughs> well, of course the rod came first. Uh you know, you can't hold a reel and operate it. And reels are relatively new. Uh, our concept of Western fishing, we could trace back to the English, who uh, at the time of Dame Juliana or, or even later, uh, Walton, when we understand fishing, we, we first referred to the reel as a winch. And it was little more than a, a school to gather the loose line on. But the early days, you, you pretty much tied the line onto the tip of your pole. And even in this country, old cane poles were used without reels for some time into the Past the depression area, so the real is uh, the real is the latecomer, um, and it's uh, progressive is something that I try to detail in my collection, and it, uh, it's a wonderful story of ingenuity and, and uh, beautiful handmade objects. And for for salt water, uh, at the time when the tuna club came in, uh, the most popular reel was the Julius Baumhoff. It's machined like a watch; it would just turn, and the handle will continue to spin like no reel made today. I would dare say. No reel was able to get the free spool it contained, but then again, it had no braking system other than a leather pad. And once the fish took the line out, you pressed against the spool, and uh, that was it. And you better get that hand out of the way. So our tuna club, for example, our first location was at the Hotel Metropole before we built the clubhouse, and we had a section of the porch called the Tuna Hospital, where people had dislocated shoulders and beaten up hands, broken fingers, and the like. Uh, from trying to wrestle with these monsters with the tackle that they had at the day. But the Tuna Club was also where the first drag systems for saltwater reels were really developed, where they were really the, the true proving grounds, where California and Francis were able to develop the, uh, an external drag that could be adjusted with a screwdriver. Not too practical when you're fighting, but nonetheless, it gave, uh, gave the angler a lot of advantage. Uh, one of the biggest... Uh, leaps came from William Boshin, who uh, was a gentleman from New York City that came out to fish in California every year. He was the first man to ever catch a broadbill swordfish on rod and reel. Really? And he came up with a multiple disc clutch design and the star drag apparatus that really brought fishing into the, you know, you might say the sane 
uh, for the large game fish and, and prove that anything could be taken if you had the right tackle. My gosh, well, you know, we, we've given everyone a quick overview of the rod and the reel, and you mentioned just briefly the line. So obviously there had to have been an evolution in, in fishing line, and then also <laughs> how about fishing hooks? Well, of course, we, as with all, you know, I, I would say from ancient times, which is a study I also enjoy, and, and in fact I'm underway on doing research in China and Egypt, some of the earliest uh, areas to ever uh, practice the uh, angling as a sport, you'll find that, uh, in, as well as even Native American Indians, you'll find that the hooks were circle, which we've gone back to today. Uh, circle hooks have proved to be one of, one of the finest ways to catch and hold a fish that there is. So while they may have been a, of shell and stone or wood or many different types of materials and these beautiful light laser sharpened instruments we get today are great. The shape has been somewhat the same, uh, but the J is quickly being replaced to the circle just like it used to be. Uh, lines, again, lines came in every sort. Uh, horsehair lines were popular in medieval Europe. Uh, silk lines were popular uh, in China. Uh, over time, uh, we developed the highest quality of linen lines for fishing. We typically had the linen work, the, uh, the breakdown of the plant uh, was done in Belgium or in Ireland for the finest quality, and then we had long strands here in America. The Cuddyhunk was uh, one of the most famous Ashaway line in twine. And those, once they became castable and, and, uh, and so forth, were, were the accepted line. But they have a great deal of friction because they have a lot of fibers attached. So we still fish them at the tuna club. Uh, we're not allowed to fish monofilament at many of our competitions. So we either fish uh, with the old line or Dacron line. Dacron we find to be you know, pretty smooth and a pretty good uh, killing line. But again, it's not, uh, it's not invisible in the water, is it? But uh, we are allowed to use fluorocarbon leaders and the like. But uh, we still, as I say, adhere to a lot of our old rules. Hey, we are speaking with Mike Ferrier. He is the historian for the International Fish and Game Commission. Uh, we're talking a little bit about the history of big tuna fishing off our West Coast and how actually the West Coast fishermen through the Tuna Club were the innovators of big fish fishing techniques uh, throughout the world. Mike, uh, we got to take a break right now. Do you think we can ask you to stay over one more segment with us? Well, sure. I'd love to. Love to All talk right. To more Mike Barrier with us. Stan Vandenberg, Wendy Toshihara. I'm Hopalong John Cassidy. You've got Rod and Reel Radio on AM540. We'll be right back after these messages. Hey, Bass Fishermen. Who do you call for your bass boat insurance? Well, if you're not calling me at 1-800-BASS-BOAT for your boat insurance, you're probably paying too much and may not have the coverage that you need. In 1974, I developed the Bass Boat Program that is what all the pros use today. The reason? No depreciation or any partial claim for your hull, your big motor, your trolling motor, or your electronics until your boat's 10 years old. That's right. You only pay $250 to get your boat on the water for any partial claim, and we still pay a stated value replacement cost for your boat if you have a total loss. We're the only people in the industry that does that, and that's why we are the choice of the pros. So if you want the best, forget the rest. Just call 1-800-BASSBOAT. Call 1-800-227-7262 or just spell BASSBOAT. 1-800-BASSBOAT. I know there's too many letters, but the T is free and the call's on me. That's 1-800-BASSBOAT, the choice of the pros for BASSBOAT insurance. For more information, log on to 1-800-BASSBOAT.com. 
If you're serious about your fishing, choosing the right tackle is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. Iserline makes premium fishing lines including monofilament, Dacron, Spectra, fluorocarbon, battle-tested harnesses, and top-angler tested Iserline tools and accessories. Iserline premium fishing products are created to provide you with the ultimate in strength, dependability, durability, high abrasion resistance, low stretch, and high quality. All Iserline products are 100% guaranteed against manufacturing defects. You just can't buy better value. Iserline will replace or repair at their option. No questions asked if you're not pleased with any of their product. Catch what you've been missing. Quality guaranteed. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ringed hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. Hi, this is Lori Heath. You may know me from some of the fishing boats out of San Diego. I want to talk to you about something that's really close to my heart. Did you know that when you donate blood, you're not only helping others, you're also helping yourself? Donating blood lowers the risk of heart attacks in men by more than 70%, lowers the risk of developing cancer, and helps you maintain a healthy liver. So donate blood to help someone else and to help yourself. If you can't donate, you can still make a difference with the financial gift. It's the best way to give back. Hook, line, and sinker. And for more information and to make a financial donation or an appointment, visit sandiegobloodbank.org. That's the sandiegobloodbank.org. And just to let you know, I'm also a blood donor. And Southern California, welcome back to Rod and Real Radio. I'm your host, Hop Along, John Cassidy. With me is Stan Vandenberg, the voice of one 800 bass boat. Wendy Toshahara, she is the industry rep uh, for many great products, including Iserline. And we are talking with Mike Ferrer. He is the historian for the International Fish and Game Commission, among other things. And you know, a lot of times I use this phrase, we're just scratching the surface on uh, the information that uh, our guests have. But, Stan, I've got to tell you, we we are we haven't even started scratching yet. Uh, you know, they use, they're still using linen line. I think that's the coolest thing. <laughs> it would be fun to join a club just to go Thanks, do that. Uh, it, it is a little difficult. And, I, and, you know, we even have an angling tournament that we just use antique tackle with, uh, everything pre-1940. Really? Call it antique. Yeah, so we you, do every you year. pull out the so Bonhoeffers we, and get a, a thicker piece of, of leather and go burn the thumb? Well, you know, 1940 had some pretty sophisticated drag systems, to be honest with you. So, you know, we, that that's not too much the problem. The bamboo sticks are the ones that usually break on a marlin. Uh, that's that's part of the problem we have. But, uh, but we still use the linen. We'll take it off and, you know, wind it, clean it, dry it, and what have you to prepare for the next day. So, so do you have- it's a lot of fun. You have people, are, I mean, it's, you can still find guys that know how to actually put a bamboo rod together and make them pretty strong. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you have them custom made? Or are you using the old ones and still just rewrapping them and putting the old yeah, guys on them and letting them rip? We do both. We do both. Sometimes, uh, depending on the age of the, the rod, you know, if they're pre-World War One, those are the times that you see the multiple small wraps on, then they were they usually had a more inferior glue system, so we don't usually touch those. 
but once you get up uh, into the 20s, you'll find that the, uh, the, the adhesives used were superior, and they've still hold together. Some of them, uh, like the Fenork Company and Baumhoff and, and other uh, names, you'll find that these rods are, are still flexible. It's the most amazing thing you've ever seen. Shaver rods uh, made in California, they can find them. Home rods uh, made in California. So many of them still do work. They just need cleaning up, a little rewrapping. Uh, they used to use a lot of inferior wraps on the guides, you know, things even like linen itself or cotton or silk. So we just rewrap them, refinish them, and you find that they're, they still work pretty well. Well, they had a real seat and the guides on both sides of the rods because they would take a set. <laughs> That's right. And uh, That's what you, you had, yeah, exactly. had to turn them over and use the other side after you were done. That's right. That's right. And if you didn't do that pretty often, then that set would stay. And, you know, the way you got it out was hung it in the rafters. And most of, uh, if any of the folks have old rods and they have a deep set on them and they've been leaning up for a while, the best way to do that is tag them off uh, on a beam somehow and let them hang. And, and uh, hopefully they'll retain to their shape. Mike, okay. a, gentleman, a gentleman I had a chance to know before he passed away, a fellow by the name of Lou Childries, he, after World War II, was instrumental in bringing a lot of bamboo rods into the United States, and he was much revered in Japan because right after the war, it, there was no industry there at all, and here he was coming along asking them to make a product to ship to the United States. And we know that bamboo has been very prized on the commercial tuna boats when they were uh, just hauling in uh, 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 fish by hand. Did this bamboo, did it come from Japan? Uh, uh, was it a product out of the commercial tuning, tuna fleet? Uh, uh, how did that come about? No, usually this is much more select. Uh, it's Tonkin, uh, often Chinese, and some Calcutta, uh, as it implies from India. It's a much finer select grade. They're they're cut in strips, and uh, you can use some down to four-sided, and some are eight. Uh, six is the most common, but they're cut into triangular strips and fit back together. Rather precise uh, piece of work because they have to maintain a taper as well. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they're, they're excellent. But we had a lot of great rod makers in California. One, Roy Shaver, who experimented with laminated woods, using everything from black palm to hickory in combinations. And, uh, and they were excellent rods. And later really? picked up uh, by Tycoon, uh, which made the big HRH Bimini King rods. Uh, he followed suit with the other laminated rods. So just before the fiberglass came in to being in the mid-50s, uh, really rods were still taking off in terms of their technology. Uh, the wood rods were so, and the reels. Uh, you know they have they have come so far. Uh, again, my collection is uh, I have a pretty extensive collection of, of big game reels, probably 200 plus uh, of uh, handmade ones from some very rare ones that uh, were owned by Hemingway. I think some of the only Hemingway tackle known exist, and Singer and a number of other you know pioneers. Uh, but the mostly interesting thing that I love is uh, is collecting the you know the evolution of the reel, if you will showing the earliest drag systems up to up to the most modern. And you'll find that things haven't changed so much. Another Californian uh, tuna club member, anyway, he was actually an Englishman, uh, had developed the first two-speed reel all the way back in 1922, wow. uh, commercially available in 24. So there haven't been a lot of uh, great innovations, um, you know, since those days. The, the smartest uh, uh, technology, I think, goes into the uh, materials used to make them lighter and lighter weight. Mike, uh, the Tuna Club had a had a uh, a great run, uh, 1898 to 1999. But with all the interest that there is in tuna fishing out here on the coast, and all the great tuna fishermen 
that there are out there. Stan, I know you can probably name uh, dozens of them uh, just right here. What happened to the tuna club? The tuna club is still going very strong. Our main fish today is marlin, striped marlin, uh, and we you know, we fish those, and that's uh, that's one of our qualifying fish for active membership. We have tuna, marlin, and broadbill swordfish, and we still pull a few broadbill in too. It's uh, they're they're certainly around. It, it's just a different type of fishing, and, and uh, but we still are very successful in it. But uh, marlin make up the vast majority, as you know. The big tuna no longer seem to come through. Uh, with few exceptions. Well, right. I think some, sometimes, you know, I don't know what the, the currents were back then, uh, and because that's all cyclical, it all changes, the bottoms change and currents change and things mm-hmm. just change out there. Uh, You're absolutely right. And when the currents change, it changes the food source. When the food's not there, they aren't here. They that's follow exactly food. Right. That's, they have to live on on something. That's They're a, not going to go with the food. Right. It's the same with all the all the you know pelagic fishes we chase. They eat for a living. That's all you can say about them. And if it's not there, they're going elsewhere. And uh, uh, we are involved in a, a lot of interesting programs with the IGFA. We've been doing a satellite tag release uh, program on marlin. Uh, most of them are blacks and blues from different places, but it, it's sort of bearing out. You know what what we feel about this having to have food to stay uh, theory, and that is that uh, when we finished at some of these tournaments, like the HWT, when we first put it in, we had one that went 2,600 miles in a very short time, one that stayed home, and everybody else went in different directions. So they're not following a pack or a season per se; they're really following food. And, Mike, I, uh, I like I like to think myself as not being that old, but I do remember a time when you could fish for tuna in the Catalina Channel. And now that that is just something that doesn't happen. Some people say pollution. Some people say military activity with monitoring equipment and, and, and activities that the military does out there. Is it just a cyclical thing? Because if we're, if we're talking about, you know, tuna from 1889 to today, when you – in the real scope of things in this world, a uh, hundred year period or so, that's not that long of a period, and some cycles go longer than that. That's true. Well, there has been an intense pressure on them by commercial interests. We all know that. But they're a highly migratory species. They cross oceans, and they're in great numbers in certain areas. The bluefin, we know, are uh, their biomass is suppressed, and that, that's just bad news. But they pop up in places like uh, New Zealand as a member of the Bay of Islands uh, Swordfish Club for years, and bluefin weren't a common item, but now they're in the south, uh, they're thick as thieves, and new world records are coming out all the time. Yeah, big, so big, it's big hard fish. To say. Yeah, hard to say what, you know, what they do, but believe me, if the, if the right conditions existed, the fish would be up banging up against your boat. Uh, I mean, that's just the way it is. You can still go places today and find that kind of kind of uh, fishing, you know, Magdalena Bay in the fall for Marlon, for example. Um, the fact is that they just need the right conditions to be here, and, and uh, we don't know enough about the scientific requirements uh, to this day. That's why science is so important to us at the IGFA, and we're, we're doing a lot to try to research these, these exact issues because uh, well, look at it's the, all mystery. Look at the, the bluefin that we used to have at Guadalupe Island down below. That was a fishery that was always there. Uh, and they had big ones down there. That three and two and three hundred pound fish would be out of the water, and you're watching that one jump with the 
20 and 30 pounders at the same time. Oh, uh, we never, well, we sure. did hook them. A friend of mine got a 269 pounder out of it, I know, and lost bigger fish on a bridled yellowtail before. Yeah, that. You know, I mean, there, there are monsters here, but now that fishery has completely changed. Uh, the sea lions and others that have moved in in bigger numbers are, have been followed by the white sharks. Uh, whites have been in there in great numbers. And the tuna have now turned to yellowfin, and there's some pretty good ones in there at that. I, but it's I know, a completely different fishery. The water's just changed. Well, and yeah, we, the current, well, that's just an island out there and over a thousand feet of water, and the, the currents that wash up against that bring all kinds of feed in. Uh, that's right. And it, and it's that's a, right. Well, it no. creates its own weather and everything else out there. That you is, uh, I've been lucky to fish there quite a bit, and it's a most fascinating place. But you're right. The, the bluefin, which was always a standard, we used to kind of kid each other to try to race down there first and see who could get it early in the year. Uh, but that's not a sure thing anymore. But there are some fine, fine yellowfin there. But uh, again, the white shark population is huge, indicating that the mammals have returned. And uh, you know, that's uh, that's well, I caught bluefin there. Uh, two years ago, when it was not closed, uh, I ended up catching uh, some bluefin down there. It's the first bluefin we've caught in that arena for many years. That's great. Uh, well, good for you. you got, <laughs> if you missed any of the interview, get on RoddenReelRadio.com. Go to the archives page, and about 48 hours from now, this interview will be on there. And, and why aren't you listening to the show? You know, this is uh, great information, and and, you know, Mike Ferrier is just a wealth of, of knowledge when it comes to fishing. Uh, Mike, we, we just, just don't have time to talk about everything. I'm going to have to have you come back. But if people want to ask you questions or uh, they want to know about tackle or, or the history of the tuna industry or tuna fishing here through the uh, tuna club, how's the best way to get a hold of you? Well, thank you for that. That's very nice. One is the, the tuna club book that you said you had in your possession. Uh, yes. That can be obtained, and that's got a, a lot of information about the history of uh, sport fishing in Southern California. I don't think there's any other volume like that. This was a privately printed uh, uh, book uh, just for the Tuna Club, and I have donated all of uh, my work toward the Tuna Club Foundation, which benefits uh, people over at uh, the island, everything from uh, daycare to Jaws of Life for the Harbor thing. So it would be very, very nice if anybody wanted to buy that, the uh, Tuna Club at Catalinas.com. You can reach me specifically about any tackle questions or items you have. Uh, I'll try to help you the best I can with it. You can reach me on MikeFerrierAntiqueTackle.com. That's F-A-R-R-I-O-R. And then if you are interested in in, uh, helping the the IGFA, I'm also a trustee and in charge of the representatives. We have about 320 reps and in 90 countries, uh, and if you're interested in learning about fishing in general and want to be a part of the most active organization, uh, we're uh, just as strictly a service nonprofit, but a, a wealth of information too. I'd ask you to look at joining the IGFA. Uh, you can do that at the same big by IGFA.com. I'm also going to be at the Fred Hall shows, uh, both in Del Mar and uh, in Long Beach, and uh, in there to talk to anybody or uh, answer any questions, or if you have something you want to bring in and have me look at the, uh, in the way of old tackle, I'd be really happy to do that for you. No charge. Uh, sounds great. Mike, I, I appreciate so much you giving up some of your Sunday night. All right, okay. you're on Rod and Real Radio Thank on you. AM 540. We'll be back right after these messages. 
Gabakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel specially heat treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gabakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gabakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gabakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gabakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. This is John from Angler's Arsenal. Since 1983, Angler's Arsenal has served the needs of the fishing community throughout Southern California, and now we are continuing that tradition out of our new retail store on Woodside Avenue in Lakeside. I invite you to make the trip to visit with Chuck, Dan, Jonathan, and Marvin, and draw from the wealth of fishing information my crew has amassed over the many years of fishing experience. They will make your time on the water more productive. When it comes to products, Angler's Arsenal carries all the major brands you've come to know and trust over the years. My knowledgeable staff will make sure you are fitted with the right quality tackle you've been looking for. We're known for servicing those reels and rods you've depended on and used over the course of the season. Bring them into us and we'll make sure they work and look better than the day they came out of the factory. Angler's Arsenal is also the home of Western Plastics, your one-stop shopping center for the fresh and saltwater hand-poured plastics you've depended on since 1985. Looking for those specially wrapped fishing rods? Angler's Arsenal can build you a stick that will put a hurt on any mean old fish that comes your way. Now we're open Monday through Sunday, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Give us a call at 619-466-8355 to discuss your fishing needs. Or better yet, stop by and visit with us at 12255 Woodside Avenue in Lakeside. Quantum Fishing's gone and done it again for you with the brand new redesigned Smoke PT Reel Series. Everything from your spinning reels all the way to your baitcasters, the PTA design has the new PTXA frame, lighter, stronger, bone-crushing drag, Quantum Fishing. We are performance-tuned. Check them out at Angler's Arsenal in La Mesa or anglersarsenal.com or give us a call at 619-466-8355. Attention Rod and Reel Radio listeners. Be sure to check out the Code Group mobile app. You can listen to the Rod and Reel Radio show live along with show archives without internet access. The Code Group app has all kinds of cool features for fishermen, including daily Southern California saltwater reports, weather reports, episodes of Inside Sport Fishing, Marine Traffic, and much more. Get the free Code Group mobile app by texting the word REEL, R-E-E-L, to 90407, or enter the words Code Group in the App Store on your smartphone. It's a big deal, you know, I've always wanted to be on Rod and Reel Radio Line. <laughs> I won the Bassmaster Classic, I did a, a McDonald's commercial, but now I know I've made it. I fulfilled my dream, <laughs> that is just absolutely awesome. Hey, welcome back. Uh, we're at the Fred Hall Show. Uh, we've run into a lot of people, a lot of products. You know, we always say here at the Fred Hall Show, not only is it a great consumer show, but you get the opportunity to actually talk with a lot of the manufacturers and the representatives of the manufacturers. Uh, unequal precedent with regards to the access you have to them because you can walk right on up. you got a problem with the product. You like the product, it features advantages and benefits, or there's something the product isn't doing, or if there's a new product out in the market that you need to know more about, you have the guys from the factory that are here, not salesmen, actually the guys from the factory that are here selling the product. And one of the guys 
that we have with us is from Accurate Reels, Mr. Justin Poe. Justin, welcome. How are you? Man, now, Justin, just a little history. You've been in the industry for a little while. Just give us a little uh, bit of a review of exactly where you come from. This is my 24th year, believe it or not. That's, Holy Christ. It's been... Does it make you feel old? It makes me feel I, I old. I knew you the first day you were <laughs> That's on. right. Yeah. Right? Uh, I started off as a telemarketer in the fishing tackle industry, working with a rep group selling tackle and guns and electronics in the West with the uh, SPA group. Yeah. And then I moved oh on gosh. from there into product development with Shimano. I worked doing that for six or seven years. And then I went on to be the global brand manager for G. Loomis for three years. And uh, went back to a rep group for a little while. And now this last four-year stint, I've been working with Accurate. And uh, I'm the vice president of sales and marketing with Accurate. So I've got a good understanding of what's going on nationally and globally in fishing tackle. And you're right. What you say about this show is fantastic. It's unparalleled access to whatever you want to see. They're all here. Well, not only that, I've seen you in the booth. I've tried to get a hold of you a couple of times in the booth to get an interview with you. And... You're not selling anything per se out of the booth other than you're giving away the information. And there's a constant line of people coming up asking you about the product. They maybe even be informing you about the product because at this type of a show, there may be something happening with one of your products that someone is having a problem actually using it that maybe hasn't come up yet. And that happens every once in a while. Absolutely, it does. You know, we we learn as much at these shows as we educated these shows you know people come up and they ask a question and you know we have to be quick thinking and on our feet and kind of you know tell the guys hey this is what i would do you know they, they come up and ask a question or they come and tell us what, we're, what they're doing with something so it's all stored in, it's all stored information for us we learn a lot at these shows by talking to these people um and getting an idea of what's going on and it gets, keeps us really in touch with what's going on in the industry and how people are fishing and that's you know you, you, you can't buy that information. It has to come one by one as it comes, and it helps us develop better product because of it. Well, you've been with Accurate now. You've done a lot of these shows. You've had a lot of interaction. Uh, obviously, you deal with all the people in the factory. If you can say if, if there's a mission statement uh, about Accurate or a company philosophy, what do you think that is? I think we're, we're really, really proud of where we make it. We make it just up the road here, about 75 miles up the road. It's one of the last American-made real manufacturers, and Americans making things in America is important to us. If I had a statement to say about the performance of our products, I would say small reels catch big fish. That's the one I would say is probably the most important parameter for us. We're always very, very in tune with lightweight. You know, the reels of the past, we're talking stuff that's a quarter the size doing the same things. And... uh, fishing reels that uh you know weigh 13 14 ounces that are subduing 100 pound fish and uh it's fantastic we're everything's fast everything's agile lots of power and just our quality is unsurpassed all made in usa is that one of the trends that you've seen in the industry that it's downsizing but at the same time you still have to keep the performance in a smaller package yes i i have seen that you know the Every manufacturer, it's a great time to be a fisherman, honestly, uh, in the saltwater or the freshwater game because everyone makes good products. It's, it's, it's going that way all the way through. But, yes, the Spectra and the adaptation to it has made everything smaller and everything more powerful, and it, it just makes fishing more fun. It really does. And um, some of the stuff you used to have to carry around, it's, 
You know, it used to be you had to make a choice between a big bulky reel to get a two-speed, and it didn't cast so well, and it was a pain in the butt to fish with. It was, you know, carried around. In most cases, we're talking in our reels, 0.3 ounces difference to have a two-speed. So, you know, bluefin on a combo that weighs two and a half pounds is not unachievable, and um, it's a great time to go catch big ones. What are some of the uh, features now that Accurate is putting in to smaller reels to give you the performance that you're looking at, at one time in a much larger reel? Well, I would say it starts with the base of all of our products, which is billet. You know, we use T6 American billet aluminum on everything. That That is the basis for everything. Being able to make it that rigid and that strong in a small, not so, you know, bulky body is number one. And number two, the other feature we're really, really well known for, and it's our patented technology, is twin drag. Twin drag gives us double the drag service, which gives us, in a lot of cases, 20, 30, 40% more drag power than everybody, and it makes it smoother and last longer, too. So that those between those two things, that's probably 85% of it in a nutshell. Um, there are some mechanical advantages to, to twin drag, meaning mechanically you have to separate all the drag parts. So California is a huge casting market. When you separate all the drag parts, when you disengage, the spool floats on the shaft, which gives you better free spool. It mechanically has to because that's how twin drag makes sure it works. All right, let's uh, go through just a couple little products in sure. that, that we're talking about. And, you know, first of all, I knew accurate products from the aerospace industry with one of those precision grinding, mm-hmm. you know, and so I think that technology has really lent itself to the reels because of the fact that when you say you're casting these things out of ingots, they're, they're machined, but when it starts coming to the twin drag systems, the spools and everything like that, there is a lot of precision involved before the customer ever gets that reel. There is, and, and I would say the precision on a lot of reels, um, you know, a lot of makers, they make a beautiful reel on the outside. Um, our reel starts off with precision on the inside, and I'm not just talking about the parts we use. I'm talking about we always cut the inside of our reels first because they're the ones that can't waver. They're the ones that can't falter. It has to be precision engineered or else We'll have rub, we'll have flex, and things will not work right. So right. that's that's a big part of it for us. You know, we sell accurate at Angler's Arsenal, and we have a philosophy there that we do not want to sell our customers anything we have to apologize for. And that's one of the reasons why we have accurate. And before we get into quickly some of the products, that's what I like accurate about because you have come, you know, everyone's worried about warranty. Everyone's worried about what happens if something goes wrong? And Accurate has set up to has really stepped up to the plate and made a warranty that a guy when they buy an Accurate uh, reel, it isn't like an out the door warranty or all of a sudden they're in a void. They've got a whole team behind them when it comes to supporting them with that product. We do. You know that was one of the things we didn't want customers to to worry about. So we basically have a no questions asked two years free service plan. If you register your reel, you get two years free service. If there's a problem with your reel, we'll replace your reel. Um, we, we, we really go out of our way to make sure you don't have a problem with that reel. It makes no sense for us to sell this high-quality, high-precision stuff and have you have problems with it. We'd rather force you to take care of it by offering it for free. You're more apt to take better care of it, and if you don't, we will. So we kind of make sure that it's uh, never a problem with the customers, and 
send it up to us in Corona, and our factory trained technicians will get it all dialed in for you. It goes through the same steps as a service reel as a brand new reel does coming out QC, one at a time. I even know customers that are coming up to the two-year point in their warranty. There's nothing wrong with their reel, but they go, hey, I'm going to send it in accurate, have them go through it, have them make sure everything's working. If there's any upgrades I need, there's nothing wrong with my reel, but... Why not send it into the factory while it's still under warranty? It happens. Absolutely, care of it. absolutely. Send it in, you know, and then, you know. But I don't want customers to feel like that, you know, their warranty's over when the two years is up either. Uh, we do have a flat rate service plan after that, and it includes parts and labor and everything. You know, single speeds thirty five dollars, a two speeds forty, and an ATD's fifty. It's still and it, very it's still reasonable. Very reasonable. We yeah. want we want to make sure that you have all the confidence you would ever need to have in purchasing our product. It's made here. We feel like it's the best, and uh, we're going to back it up the best. Let's uh, just talk a couple of, of the products in particular. Mm-hmm. Right now, you know, uh, you know, the glamour thing is to go after the triple-digit tuna that are off our uh, have been off our local coast. We anticipate that they're going to be there again. All the signs are. Yep. That you know, all we have to do is go after them. Give us an idea of a couple of the accurate products we should be using for those triple-digit fish. For those triple-digit fish, it really comes down to kind of two categories for us. The Valiant Series, which, is how, which has been our most popular series for the last three years running, um, there's an 800 in there. And that 800 is perfect for that deep jigging that they're doing at night in the glow right. jigs. The 600 is fantastic for that, you know, when it's a little bit picky, it won't eat anything heavier than 50 or 60 pound on the bait with the sinker rig. And then you go all the way to the ATD 50 wide for trolling around the yummy flyers and, you know, the balloon rig and things like that. Uh, when you want a big gun with a big bullet, the ATD 50 wide is where it's at. All right. And then you get those fishermen out there that are avid iron throwers. They don't care what's happening what the conditions are, what the time of the year is. They want to throw irons. Sure. And what product do you have to suit their need? We have two. For the big bluefin, I would say a 600 narrow would be the best in the Valiant series. We make it a two-speed. It's plenty fast enough to throw the iron. It's also really good for throwing the popper. Um, but locally here, now that we're getting into springtime, the yellowtail fishing, that new turn 500 star drag in the 4.7 to 1 for the iron has really been hot and really been popular for these guys fishing those uh, those fish down the beach at the Finger Bank recently. Let's, t- let's talk about that turn series because that's pretty innovative with a star drag, yet at the same time incorporating the dual drag system in it. Yes. That had to have been uh, kind of a, a real engineering feat. It was. You know, Dave and Doug kind of sat down and we talked about it, and we didn't want to build just another star drag. The world didn't need another star drag just as it was. You know, so we kind of had to accurateify it, right? Um, we built the first world's first ever twin star drag. So there's drag underneath the main gear and drag on top of the main gear. Every star drag out there right now currently just has drags on one side of the main gear. Right. So, so we doubled the drag surface on a huge gear. This is a great place to come and see it at the Fred Hall Show because we have it all taken apart on the table so you can see exactly what it does. But those reels, 3, 4, and 500 size, all share the same drag plates. So they all share the same gear. So they all make over 30 pounds of drag in a very small package. And now you've stepped up production that you can go to any dealer that has accurate products. They should have, if they choose, they should have the turn products. But tell us about the different models that are available in this product. There's a 300, a 400, and a 500. The 300 and the 400 are very similar in size. The 400 is just a little bit wider. 
38 inches of crank at 6 to 1, but they're also available in a high torque model at 4.7. And the 500 is available in 4.7 and 6, one at 6 as well. You know, the, the 500 size is perfect for 65-pound spectra, 40-pound monofilament. Uh, the 40, the 400, I would fish with, you know, 50-pound braid, 30- or 40-pound monofilament. The 300, you know, 40-pound braid, fish with 25- to 30-pound monofilament. You know, they start at $299, they end at $3, $320. Very reasonable for American-made. It is the only American-made Star Drag anymore. And uh, it comes with everything that, a, you know, a $700 accurate reel comes with. It comes with the same... Same service plan, same everything, made of all the same high-end, high-quality materials we use. 17-4 stainless and T6 aluminum everywhere. So the thing is just a, it's a train. I mean, the thing is awesome. Now, I've even heard some rumblings that you guys are even working on a larger size turn reel. Is that right? Yes, that's right. We're not there yet. We're still so far behind in production. We're not super behind. We don't have a, you know, when I say behind, I mean... Our orders are good. We were, we're we've serviced almost everything. We don't have that money left on back order, but we're still unable to put any on the shelf. We've been shipping about 200 a week since October one, and one has never made it onto a shelf at Accurate. So we're still shipping them as fast as we can make them, which is a beautiful problem to have. Um, but as soon as we kind of get through that and we get get done. We already have the drawings and what we need to do for the next size. And this is nothing against your production or anything like that, but we've got to urge our listeners that if they are interested in one of the turn reels, now is the time to go to your dealer, look at them, and pick up the one that meets your need. Because yes. if you wait for the season to hit us, there's a chance uh, you might be uh, in the waiting line. Yeah, you're going to probably be waiting. It's it's You know, we, we've been... Everyone knew the season was coming, and everyone knew the show season was coming. They ordered for it just like the season, and we did our best to make up with uh, with production. Um, I would I would guess that you know orders are going to surge here pretty soon. There's a good stock at the show, yes, and there's a good stock right now at dealers. But in April, May, that might be a different story. Justin, uh, you know, a dealer can't handle every single item that Accurate has, but at the same time, a dealer. If they don't have the product, they can call Accurate and order it for a customer need. But if the customer wants to see the variety of products that Accurate has, where can they go to get that information? The best way to go to that information is to go to your local dealer and see what they have. But if you don't have it there, then you're always a good place to look is our website at uh, Accurate, AccurateFishing.com is a good place. There's also a lot of great places that you can go see all around the country that have a good stock of our reels. Uh, another place is a show like this, you know, where we have everything out on a table, uh, and uh, it's all there to play with, pick up, you know, turn the handle. It's all really interesting. Um, but uh, nothing really replaces in your hands, but at the same time, our website is great for specification and, tr- and tips as well. And, Justin, if people want to call you or anybody else at Accurate to get more technical information or if they mm-hmm. have a question or anything like that, How's the best way to stay in contact with Accurate? We have two good. We have two or three really good ways. The best way is to, uh, you know, go onto our website and we actually have a chat page that I'm I'm personally answering as well as a couple people in our office, and we get on there if they have a technical question, if they want to know specifications, I personally get on there and answer their questions. Or, you know, they can always give us a call at their our toll free number, which is eight 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 two 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 eight three seven two. 
or they can send us a, an email to service at accuratefishing.com. Uh, right. we, we get back to you any way we need to get back to you. Well, Justin from Accurate Reels, thanks for spending the time with us and no problem. telling us about the product and and you know giving us a little glimpse of what's in the future. But I think for our fishermen, if they pick up an accurate product, what's in their future is probably the fish of a lifetime. I hope so, and that's the that's the plan, right? All right, Justin, appreciate it. Hey, we're going to take a break right now, but stay tuned. There's more Rod and Reel Radio coming up after these messages. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ringed hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. Hi, this is Lori Heath. You may know me from some of the sports boats out of San Diego. I want to talk to you about something that's really close to my heart, the San Diego Blood Bank. Fishing for a way to make a difference in your community? Consider donating blood or making a financial donation to the San Diego Blood Bank. Your gift will impact medical research, revolutionize how we improve health and treat disease, and most importantly, give the gift of life. But we can't do it without you. Or without your help, visit SanDiegoBloodBank.org to make an appointment or to give a financial donation today. It's the best way to give back. And just to let you know, I'm also a blood donor. Hey everybody, this is a message for our listeners from a new Baja Magic Lodge at Cedros Island. Cedros Outdoor Adventures wants to make your dream of fish at Cedros Island a reality. Want to go after giant calicos or yellowtail with the best Cedros Island fishing organization? but you just don't know who to contact. Then give Cedros Outdoor Adventures a call at 619-793-5419 or even better yet, log on to their informative website at cedrosoutdooradventures.com. There you can visit their trip calendar and schedule a trip that's convenient for you. Once again, the phone number is 619-793-5419 or their website of cedrosoutdooradventures.com. Hey, welcome back, and as we travel the Fred Hall shows, obviously we're meeting a lot of people, haven't seen in a long time, making new friends, seeing new products, and I'm walking down the aisle, and I run into Kalika here from Catch Products, and I've got to tell you, Kalika, this is a product that everyone needs. Tell us a little bit about the product and how you came up with it. So, hey, guys, you jump on the boat, you got your, uh, your hooks, your lures, they're dangling all over the place or they're hooked onto your rods, onto your eyelets, or onto your reel. They're damaging your gear. This stuff's expensive. Instead of doing that, you've got the catch. It is a hook, line, hook, lure, and line holder. It holds up to 100-pound fluorocarbon monofilament and up to 200-pound braid. It's adjustable, so you can move it up and down the rod wherever it's comfortable for you. It is built to last made in the usa it's all uv saltwater resistant it's just that easy to and, and put on your rod attach it to any various rods anything from freshwater all the way up to large diameter saltwater rods you strap it on you put your lure there keeps it safe secure and you're ready to go well if, i've seen the, the catch here and the, what i was interested in is number one 
very easy to use. Yep. Okay, very easy to put on your rod if you don't have a real seat or even if you don't have any type of a hook catcher on there. It's adjustable. Uh, you know, it comes in five or four different colors. Four different, red, four, white, and blue, because we're made in America. Four different colors, but, you know, you use it as a hook catcher, you use it as a line catcher, but I also noticed that if you're looking for a trigger stick on a rod, this can adapt and can be used as a trigger stick. That's uh, tri- exactly correct. For your, as a trigger stick. As a finger finger trigger as well. So you have more control when your hooks or your lures are not in it. You're also using it just like that as a finger trigger. Look at this. is a, a, gr- a great design. Tell us a little bit about the evolution of the design. So when I, uh, you know, 22 years ago when I became really passionate about fishing, um, you know, I had areas where I could attach my lures and my hooks and everything to my rods and my reels, but it, it was d- damaging my gear. It was an issue. Either I couldn't get it out of the clamp when I was taking my jigs out, when I was throwing them, you know, at the on the boat, or my hooks were getting caught and damaging all my gear. And you're talking, you know, anywhere from 500 up to $1,200 rods and reels. So I came up with what I thought was a was a great idea. It began as a you know store bought item zip tie. I put that on the rod. That was great for a while, but I couldn't move it. It was causing damage to my rod, and I couldn't take it off readjust it and move it out of the way this it is i came up with it april 3rd 2018 and here we are september launched out and we're seven months into it and we're doing great now we're here at the fred hall show and you have a bunch of the rods lined up and you have jigs on there you've got hooks onto the uh, the catch keeper one of the things i've noticed though there's a great adaptability of this product for freshwater. Correct. It's a line holder. So you guys that are out there drop shot fishing and you figure, how do I keep that weight on there and the hook and everything when drop shot fishing, the, the, the catch product will actually work well for freshwater drop shot fishermen. That's correct. So you tie on and if you uh, are trying to get the drop shot on, if you tie on your hooks and you tie on your lures, whichever it is, you can reverse a second one, and now you've got a line keeper to hold on to that line. That's a secondary. So, you know, you have the dropper loop, you have the freshwater, you got smaller diameter rods in the freshwater industry, and then you've got obviously larger diameter rods in the saltwater industry. And you're talking, you know, these are three to, you know, thousand pound, you know, fish kind of rods that are um, you're able to put on because of the, the diameter and it being an adjustable strap, um, you got a diameter that fits on all type of rods. Adjustable strap meaning it's a Velcro strap so you can easily take it off, remove it, move it up and down, you know, even use it from rod to rod if you need, but there's there's no reason why you shouldn't have one of these on each and every one of your that's, rods. That's correct. You go out for the day and if you're a fisherman that takes out two rods, if you're a fisherman that takes out seven rods, you got you know, this where you can take it off and you can put it on those rods that you take out. One day, you're throwing jigs. Another day, you're throwing hooks. Another day, you just want to secure your line. You got that right there. You take out, you know, just those ones. It's adjustable and it's just that easy. When you're either t- taking it off or you're putting it on, you got you one, go. two, through the D-ring, strapping it through, coming back on. It's just that simple. There you go. Also, for the double or for when you're, uh, you know, putting on your poppers, you've got two areas where now if you have a treble hook on both of your, on the same jig, <clears throat> like your poppers, 
you've got two areas where the trouble is now hooking into so that that other trouble is not hanging out and possibly grabbing onto your leg or grabbing onto your arm, causing damage. Well, you know, you're right. I run a tackle store uh, down in San Diego, Angler's Arsenal, and I can't tell you how many rods that we have come in that the guides are messed up because the fellows have been taking the hooks on their jigs or whatever it is and, and running it through the guides or running it through the post. Correct. Or the grips are all messed up because they take the hook and sink it into the grip, and after a little while, it eat. This takes care of the problem, and it, it's a great idea. And I think the thing is, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, from a retail standpoint, this product will go for about what? So we got them at, <coughs> excuse me, uh, retail for ten ninety nine. Okay. Um, and so you know, the whole idea is that you get you know anywhere from three to five of these, or if you're a long range fisherman, you have ten of them. You take on your rods. You can, you know, have them adjustable so that they come off the rods that you're not using or the ones that you are using and put them on those. Well, you know, the catch, it's great. It's a hook keeper. It's a line keeper. You can uh, move it around and use it as a finger trigger. Great application. Congratulations on a great product. We wish you much success on it. I'm going to bring them into the store down in Angler's Arsenal, and we look forward to talking to you again and much success with this product. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. I appreciate it. All right. Go catch. (laughs) All right, we're wandering around the Fred Hall Show in Del Mar. And as I keep on saying, we run into a lot of friends. This is a place to come and visit with people that you normally don't get a chance to visit with. One of our favorite people here, and I just don't get a chance to see her as often as I'd like, is Megan Merchant from Last Chance Bait and Tackle, Last Chance Marine. Megan, welcome to the radio show. thank you very much. Oh, man, first of all, I have been following you on social media and you've been going through, I don't want to say it's an ordeal, but you've been going through quite an experience. Tell us about what you've been doing and why you've been doing it. Oh, uh, with CrossFit? Yeah. I just love it. You know, I mean, it gets you in shape. It gets you moving. Um, keeps you active. You know, as we get older, we got to do what we can to keep in shape. You mean running around Last Chance Bait and Tackle and Last <laughs> Chance Marine wasn't enough running around for you? <laughs> you would think so. You would think so. But, yeah, no, I love it. It's something different every day. It gets me out. keeps me busy. Well, Let's talk about, first of all, Last Chance Bait and Tackle. And you were right at the doorstep to probably one of the most dynamic lakes in Southern California, Diamond Valley. Before we start talking about the the dealership, tell us a little bit about Diamond Valley. What's happening over there, and and how's it looking for the future? Is, is is, is, Is it hopeful? Is it the same? Is it always going to be the same? Or what are your feelings about Diamond Valley? No, I I think this year is definitely going to be a good year. I mean, the lake's almost full. I think it's at 90-some percent full. So that's always a good sign, especially going into the summer months. Um, The fishing has gotten a lot better here in the last couple weeks versus a rough winter. You know, we've actually had a winter, so fishing was very tough. Um, But in the last couple weeks, we've seen it turn around. I mean, the fish are starting to bed. And the water's coming in, so of course it's kind of protecting the bedfish because they're they're obviously a little bit deeper with the water coming up. But it's taking good weights. It was 31 pounds last weekend to win the tournament. Oh, nice. Well, you know, uh, Diamond Valley has no watershed at all. It, it brings no. water in from other sources. But the fact that we've had a very wet winter yes. will probably mean that we will have at least stable water or high water levels at Diamond Valley, which will be good for the lake. Yeah, we hope so. I mean, you know, you never know what the way they're always selling the water, but we can only hope the water is going to stay consistent through the summer, especially with all the snow that we have up north. Okay, well, we're talking 
you know, largemouth bass fishing where mm-hmm. the tournaments do, but a lot of people don't realize there are some really nice stripers and some great striper fishing in Diamond yes. Valley. Yes, the striper fishing is very good. They're a lot harder to come by than they were five, six years ago. Um, fly corn is very, very prominent into catching the stripers. Um, even with the trout stocks, we haven't seen as much stripers being caught on swim baits as we used to. Um, but it does happen. Every once in a while, a guy will pull out a 20-plus pound striper. But for the most part, it's it's fly corn that gets it done. Let's talk a little bit about last chance bait and tackle. It seems to be in an out-of-the-way location, but you have created a jargonaut in the tackle industry with your uh, uh, your business there. Tell us a little bit about Last Chance, where it came from, and what's happening there currently. Uh, Last Chance has been around since 1998. Um, Dan and I purchased it in 2006. Um, we're located, what, about a mile, mile and a half from Diamond Valley. Um, so it kind of is, it, it was created with the Last Chance to go up the hill to Lake right. Hammett, um, is where Carl and Sonia gave its name to. So it still kind of exists because we are the only tackle shop out in the Hemet kind of inland area. Um, we're over 3,000 square feet. We try to carry everything for all the bass fishermen from Canyon Lake, Lake Skinner, Lake Paris, Lake Elsnor, Lake Mead, Lake Havasu. So we do have customers that come from all over. Yeah, you know, it's amazing, uh, especially when you get people out of the area. They, they look at Southern California and they go, where are you going to go fishing? But when you look at the location of Last Chance Bait and Tackle, as you notice, there are some really good yeah. compounds, and if you're a bass fisherman, with the potential of a fish of a lifetime. Oh, absolutely. I mean, with Lake Paris being almost completely full since they've redone the dam, um, that's opened up a whole new fishery there. I mean, guys, are, are, the fishing's been really good there as well. It's definitely a lake you want to visit if you haven't been to in a while. Guys are talking how it used to be 20 years ago. Tell us a little bit about the services that Last Chance Bait and Tackles offers, because you're you're just not tackle. You're, just, you're a lot more than that. Yeah, I mean, well, we, we put line on reels. We help anybody as far as that wants to get into fishing. My guys are very good at if you walk in and you want to take your son or your daughter out fishing, but it's not familiar with you, my guys will definitely walk you through, help you get set up. You know, if you have your rods and reels, they'll even put the hooks and the line on it for you, um, kind of explain. We have Google Earth on the computer, so they get on there kind of show you where to go and said instead of just trying to tell you well you want to go down the ramp to the right they'll actually pull up google earth and show you what spots to hit whether it's pear skinner or diamond you know and that can be a great resource because you think about for instance lake hemet even mm-hmm. though the business started with people going up to lake hemet you don't think about that as a destination spot necessarily for fishing it's nice for camping right maybe even you want to do some trout fishing but I know several years ago when I visited there, we even got some smallmouth out of Lake Hemet. Are they still there or not really? You know, I'm not sure on that. I know the bass, the, the fishing up there is very secretive. Yeah. The, the, the okay. guys that go up there and do catch pretty consistent, they're, they're pretty tight-lipped. But it's it's kind of, the, of a little haven. You know, nobody wants to talk about it. But it's one of the most beautiful places oh, it to is. camp. Especially it is. if it's at full pool because one of the few places where you've got camping spots that are right next yes. to the water and it's one of those you know with the fire that they just suffered up there i mean any business they can get up the mountain would would be very appreciative just because the fire that hit out a while but you know last chance is a great source of information because people talk you talk about small lakes like Hemet 
mm-hmm. or even going to a place like Skinner that a lot of people don't think is a destination spot to go to when when you've got Diamond Valley and those other lights. Your people can s- supply them with the information or those out-of-the-way spots that they can fish if they really want a unique experience. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we're definitely all-around fishermen. We do saltwater. We do freshwater. So whatever type of fishing is your passion, we can help you at last chance. Now, you also have a really extensive online presence, too. You've really built that up. That doesn't happen by accident. Tell us about that. No, it's lastchancetackle.com. And pretty much everything in our store is online. Uh, we do live inventory, so what you see is what it is. You can't order more. I don't do back orders. Um, and we just try to service what we can. What are some of the uh, items that you're featuring right now that you would want our listening audience to uh, hear about if it's for coming up for trout and or coming on up to get something for bass fishing? Um, with the bass fishing, the, just the variety of bed baits, even though we don't always all support bed fishing, sure. it is a fun way to go out and catch fish if you're releasing them right away. Um, so any type of bed baits, whether it's white craws, um, white sinkos, bubblegum sinkos, um, trying to bring in some new product. We just got Reaction Innovations Shiver Glide in. Oh, great. Um, so those are up online as well. Um, for trout fishing, we carry ultralight heavyweight jigs, which is a local guy that makes jigs in our area. Really popular, seem to do good at catching the trout. Well, if uh, a fisherman uh, is looking to bed fish and go to Diamond Valley, he may be just a little disappointed. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's, it's definitely <laughs> a little different than uh, that. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. All right, now you're also involved, and in, let's just talk about briefly uh, Last Chance Marine. We're sitting here in the middle of the booth at the Fred Hall show, yes. and I'm seeing all kinds of great products here. Some that I'm seeing for the first time. Tell us about quickly about last chance uh, marine uh, we carry phoenix skeeter london low we're full service yamaha and mercury certified um, here at the show we have two phoenixes um, we have a lund pontoon we have a couple of our lund aluminums lund's version of their bass platform which is a really nice boat definitely one you want to check out a little a couple different ones that you could use in the bay um, we have a skeeter Solera, which is a fishing ski, mm-hmm. um, and then we have some Skeeter bass boats. Wow, that is great. Now, besides a great selection of products, no place can make it, though, without service. And Absolutely. you're the guys that come for service. What products do you service at Last Chance Bait and Tackle with regard to engines and whatever? We pretty much service any motor, but we're Yamaha Mercury certified. So as far as, like, any warranty work, we can do anything for Yamaha Mercury. We will service the other motors. We just don't have the computers. You know, and in this day when it seems like electronics are just going off the yes. chart. Yes, Okay, and trying to keep up with it is tough. You're the place to come to when it comes to not only finding the right electronics for your application, but also getting them installed. Absolutely, absolutely. My husband, Dan, is very, very knowledgeable on, on all of the electronics as well as a couple of the other guys there in the shop. All right. Megan Merchant, uh, Last Chance Bait and Tackle, Last Chance Marine. People want to find out more about what you're doing in the tackle store mm-hmm. or find out more about what's happening at Last Chance Marine. How's the best way to go about doing it? Uh, probably the easiest for here is just say our website because it has all of our phone numbers. For the tackle store is lastchancetackle.com. For the boat shop, it's lastchanceperformancemarine.com. All right. And I've got to say congratulations on the regiment that you started. You well, always you. look great. Thank you. You know? 
and uh, it's hard to improve on excellence, but it seems like you've done it, Megan. I'm trying, I'm trying. All right. Hey, thanks for taking the time for being with us, and we'll keep up with you in the future on what's happening at Last Chance well, Bait thank Tackle you and very Last much. Chance Marine, okay? We appreciate it. Hey, we're going to take a break right now. We'll be back after these messages. If you're serious about your fishing, choosing the right tackle is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. Iserline makes premium fishing lines including monofilament, Dacron, Spectra, fluorocarbon, battle-tested harnesses, and top angler-tested Iserline tools and accessories. Iserline premium fishing products are created to provide you with the ultimate in strength, dependability, durability, high abrasion resistance, low stretch, and high quality. All Iserline products are 100% guaranteed against manufacturing defects. You just can't buy better value. Iserline will replace or repair at their option. No questions asked if you're not pleased with any of their product. Catch what you've been missing. Quality guaranteed. Rod and Reel Radio is now available as a podcast you can subscribe to on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting app. Get notified as soon as new episodes are available, or go back and listen to our past shows. Browse through all of our archived shows at roddenreelradio.com slash archives, and click the subscribe button to get started listening now. We talk a lot about uh, coming to shows like this, and not only do you see the the salespeople uh, for distributors and even the dealers, but you get to meet the people that are actually working with the factory that know about the product. See a lot of the brands uh, brand names over here. Walk on by the Extra Tough booth. Who does not know that a boot, if it isn't Extra Tough, it just isn't a boot. Uh, it's a great product. Extra Tough, some of the biggest expansion and the most success we're having today is in our uh, deck boot collection, both men's and women's, lots of new colors, obviously still very functional, all waterproof, slip-resistant, non-slip outsoles, uh, introducing some new leather deck boots for uh, this coming fall 2019, available in August or September ballpark. Uh, we've got a new work boot that you can use off-season uh, in the uh, in the yard getting when you're preparing in between um, the end of the season, the beginning of the new season, um, in uh, um, just any time you uh, need to, any time you're going to be outdoors. Yeah, see, Chris was so eager to tell us about the product, we didn't even he didn't even it. let us yeah, introduce him or anybody. So who the heck's going to know it is? This is uh, Chris, Chris Nolenberg from Extra Tough. We had just uh, pulled him out, uh, and Chris, thanks for spending time with us because you've been mobbed no here problem. in this in this booth over here. You were saying, and Stan. You were looking at this new breathable booth that Extra Tough has. Tell us a little bit about that product. Yeah, it's, a, it's patterned along the lines of our regular deck boot, our 6-inch deck boot, uh, where those were, have always been rubber products that were 100% waterproof. We're now doing a leather version of that uh, with all the same selling attributes, the functional attributes to be used out in the, on the boats, but it's leather, it's breathable, and it has the same comfort features as the other boots do. Well, that's the one thing I've been fishing. We were just talking. I've been fishing in the rain for a month, <laughs> and and the shoes that I thought were supposed to be waterproof weren't. Sometimes you don't want to use the the rubber boot because it it doesn't keep your foot as warm. You got to wear extra socks, and then you get bulky a big bulky boot, and in a bass boat trying to work a trolling motor, that's maybe not going to work as well for you. But your new boot is a lighter weight, breathable fabric and that leather uh, upper i mean leather lower that's that's actually waterproof and i think that's great for what we've been doing i if i had that i wouldn't have been as wet and my feet when once your feet get wet everything else is wet by the way by that time i like the boot because of the fact i have high insteps and i can't get into a regular boot so i have to use a shorter up the uh, 
of the neat type of boot, and this boot allows me to get into it. Not only that, but it gives me something to grab onto so I can slip my paw in there. And, boy, uh, that's a big thing, especially, you know, you get on the boat. You don't want to be wearing your boots for 48 hours because of the fact you can't get them off after you get them on. You want to be able to slip in and out of them. The extra tough allows us to do that. But, you know, we're also not only are we looking about the waterproof boot, we're looking about also a line of boots over here that you've made for the ladies. Tell us about that. We have. We've got lots of color, lots of pop color. Um, ladies are obviously very passionate about their fishing, and we've got a whole collection of new boots there and a lot of new women's shoes, uh, some deck shoes in, in lots of colors. Again, fully functional uh, for the active fisher person. You know, they, wear, they have a water shoe. And when Chris and I first started talking about it, he goes, honest to goodness, this, I wear these things all the time. And I went, well, I'm going to have to get a pair of those and, and, and try them out. So I, I ended up finding a pair, or he got me a pair, and I, I put them on at the house. And, and my wife, after a couple of days, she goes, you're going to wear them out before you get to the boat. <laughs> they were so, one, they're just functional. They're easy to slip on, easy to slip off. I've worn them. You can wear them in and out of the water in bass fishing during the summer months. You know, one, you can wear them all day long. They breathe really well, and you can walk in the water, and they drain through the sole of the of the, the shoe, so your your foot your foot doesn't stay wet all day, and and made a huge difference. But it, we took them on the long range trips because they want you to have a, a closed toed shoe for wahoo fishing. So all of the guys, in fact, that we took them down and got the we put them on everybody on the boat. I don't even know if they use their regular boots, which is not necessarily a good thing, but they kept them on for. For most of the trip, because they were convenient, they don't slip. They got the same extra tough bottom, but they breathe when you get down into that hot weather, and that's a real key. I mean, you've got functional footwear for all of what we do in the industry across. I don't care whether it's freshwater or saltwater. You make a, a footwear that will actually apply to what we're doing and make it comfortable for us. And that's one of the things that we've done too. Is you know we've always been a, a big saltwater brand. But now we're evolving into the freshwater fishing back in the Midwest, and, and that's been one of our biggest growing areas as well. Well, you know, one of my big problems is that I put on a regular booth. There isn't a lot of support in there. I'm a heavy guy. I spend a lot of time on my feet. And by the time I spend eight hours fishing, whether it's running the trolling motor, running on the deck, or doing a show like this where you're on concrete, my dogs are barking at me. But tell us about the support that the extra tough boot has to help guys like me out well one of the biggest things is the, is the uh, all the boots and the shoes all have removable footbeds in them that's one of the things that distinguishes us from some of the competition is having that removable footbed it's contoured so it does give you a little bit of additional support and you're able to again from a maintenance standpoint you can pull them out rinse them off wash, and, them, and put wash them, them put them back in yeah. uh, it's, it's a full, again a fully functional item uh, in the shoes and the boots wow you know, from our side, I mean, your, your extra tough boots, the guys, every guy in the saltwater fleet is wearing the extra tough boot pretty much that works on the boat. The guys that fish have all, you've seen them if you've watched any of the shows, the TV shows out there, Stoked on Fishing or Inside Sports Fishing or whatever else, over the years, you'll see the extra tough boots and a lot of guys rolled them down. And that was a convenient way to just get a little bit more air to your feet. You didn't need the high boot if you're wearing shorts. And you came out with new the short boot that has really helped take over that long range guys that does that along with your water shoe. You got a tennis shoe even 
water water shoe. Now, I'm seeing some small boots over there. One of the questions I have, do you make a boot for kids? We do. We we have kids' boots in our classic legacy product, and we even have some little baby booties for your infants. (laughs) Get them started in the right direction. Get them started young. Or sometimes it can get deep in that changing room, but, you know, that's a whole other story. (laughs) Hey, Chris Kallenberger, if... uh, Kallenberg, if anyone wants to see the selection, because no one dealer is able to stock everything that you have, but you do make the boots accessible. If they can go on their dealer, find a pair or a tile that they don't have, they can get them for you. How's the best way to see the selection of Extra Tough products? Yeah, if your re- local retailer doesn't have them, go to extratough.com. And we have the whole uh, selection and available there to be viewed. And then you can go back to the retailer and say, hi, no, you don't have this. Can you order them for me? Exactly. And they know exactly what they need. Exactly. They can and, special order them for you. And help the retailer out, too, because they could be missing the boat on something that uh, they didn't know existed or didn't know as popular as it was. That's absolutely true. Sometimes a lot of guys are like me. I spend more time in the store than I spend out in the field, and you don't get a chance to see what's really happening out there. Exactly. All right. Guys, thanks a lot for being with us. Stan, let's uh, get on. One more thing? Yeah, I just want to say thanks to Chris because these guys are my one of my sponsors. They've helped me extremely for a long time on our long-range trips and short-range trips. Extra Tough has been wonderful about getting here. Stan, go out and try these and let us know what you think. And Chris is one of the greatest guys in the world to work with. But thank you, Chris. Oh, thank you. Appreciate well, it. Well, Ron Real Radio wants to thank you very much. And we thank you, Chris, for being on with us. And we look forward to catching up with you again later on. Okay? Thank you much. All right. As we travel around the Fred Hall Show, we've run into really an old friend of ours. Uh, we've known this guy for well over 20 years. You've listened to his music. It's singer, songwriter. Gary Schiebler. Gary, John. welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? You know, you were just telling me yeah. that this is a special anniversary coming up at this show. Tell us more about it. Well, you know, uh, 20 years ago, my good friend Larry Robinson and I um, started a band called The Dorados, and we released our first CD 20 years ago at the Long Beach show oh called, my gosh. called Hooked on Hooking Up. And to this day, it's still one of the favorites of Southern California anglers. Um, and I just been kept on doing it. Um, we had three Dorado records. I moved to Nashville and uh, did, God, probably uh, almost a dozen records about fishing and the outdoors. I just recently moved back to Southern California um, from Nashville. I just... Uh, I couldn't take all these reports of bluefin being caught. <laughs> and I got guys back there asking me if I wanted to go fishing for crappie. It just didn't work. But your, one thing about your music, it has legs. Because even now, Pete Gray on the Let's Talk, Let's Talk Hookup show, yeah. a lot of the bumper music yes. is from that album and yeah. helping on out. And it's great music, and it just never seems to get old. You know, it, 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 fishing stories never get old. Sure. People will tell stories that happened 20, 30 years ago, and, and uh, it, it still is relevant and is exciting and to hear all those old stories. And, you know, there's, there's, uh, uh, there's not a shortage of stories about fishing. And I, 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 I love writing songs about fishing. Well, and actually, you're very prolific when it comes to your songs. What, where do you get a lot of your inspiration from? If, if we're talking about fishing, your fishing music, because uh, yeah. I know you're a fisherman yourself. Yes, yes. I, 
love saltwater fishing. Uh, did a lot of bass fishing back in, in Tennessee. Um, the inspiration comes kind of out of the blue. A lot of it is my own experience. You know, my mom taught me how to fish when I was a kid. Um, one time a guy, I was talking to a guy at a fishing trade show, and he was telling me about this um, hotel that or motel that he used to stay in in, in uh I think it was Wichita or something, and uh, there was a lake, and, and uh, you could f- fish free, and and he said, if you ever stay there, ask for room number eight, because that's where Willie Nelson stayed. Oh, neat. When he came through. So I wrote a song called Where Mr. Nelson Stayed, about that hotel and, and about fishing, and so, so it comes from... I mean, trips down to Baja. I write a lot of songs about Baja because I love it down there. Um, somebody said that I should contact the uh, Guinness Book of Records. I've, I've written over 100 fishing songs. I don't know if anybody else out there has done that. Holy mackerel. Now holy you, mackerel? You holy mackerel. That? Yeah, hey, there you go. You got another inspiration for a song, right? <laughs> Well, you have this great, you got these great albums of songs. How yeah. can people access your works? You know, the best way, I think, nowadays, because have you noticed when you rent a new car, there's no CD players in the cars anymore? I don't even know all the buttons on my, uh, (laughs) let alone where the CD player is or how to play it. So most of the people um, uh, listening nowadays, you can listen online. And streaming has become really, really popular. So you can go to Spotify, you can go to Pandora. You can go to um, Amazon, and you can listen to all my songs. Uh, you know, I haven't made much money on this project. It, it doesn't really matter. It's a, it's, it's a it's kind of like a, a work of love, and and so just people can go online, listen on the streaming services. If you want to buy a song, you can go to iTunes. Um, but streaming is kind of taken over, you know, John. Yeah. Well, you know, what we should do we should we should start a petition going with extraterrestrial radio to get the all Gary Schiebler network and and get going on that the, the fishing the fishing <laughs> network that's the, really the funny fishing song network all fish music all the time yeah <laughs> are, are the, have you found though in your travels whether it's been in Nashville or back here on the west coast are there a lot of people taking the same inspiration with fishing songs that you are or are you the are you the leading edge of that particular genre? You know, artists like Brad Paisley, and there's a, you know, a bunch of people who have actually written a fishing song here and there, but n- not like what I've done uh, with, with all the different um, species and, 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 and places and, 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 and topics. Um, I've kind of cornered, cornered that market. Yeah. I, I never thought I'd do something like that. I mean, I was a serious singer-songwriter, but I'm telling you. Yeah, look, been you're so not one-dimensional. By any stretch no, of the imagination. No, no, no. <laughs> but um, 20 years, and what a wonderful journey. I'm so glad to be back here down in Del Mar. I'll be singing um, some of the songs that a lot of people love at the Costa Sporting Chef Cafe this week. And um, uh, it's so good to see you, old friend. It's, it's great to be here, and it's great to see you back in Southern California. Yes. I know so many people, you know, go to Nashville, and they think, well, you know, that is where the the center of recording and music and everything like that is there, but yeah. you're probably finding out, even in Southern California, with all the record companies there are out there, all the studios and everything yeah. like that, there's still great potential and opportunity. Oh, yeah, you can make a great record in your bedroom. Um, I think one of the greatest achievements that I had was the was the All Gone Fishing CD that I got to make in Nashville 
with people uh, like George Jones, Brad Paisley, Merle Haggard, um, Jerry Reed, sure. and they 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 are all diehard fishermen, and they brought their A-game fishing songs to the table. And we put together this CD called All Gone Fishing. Um, Not too many people have the opportunity to work with those kind of artists, and the one thing that brought us all together was our love of fishing. Where can we find that? That, uh, that, You can find that on on Amazon.com. It's called All Gone Fishing, and um, it's a great, great album. So proud of it. The performance is on there. Tanya Tucker's on there. Arlo Guthrie singing his dad's song. Oh, man. Um, Little Jimmy Dickens. Great, great project. What a honor it was to work with those artists. Okay, so people listening to this all of a sudden perked up and they go, man, that sounds great. Yeah. What is the name of the album again name, and where can it be gotten? name of the album is called All Gone Fishing um, by what we, we, we deemed the world's greatest fishing band because that was the, <laughs> the world's greatest assortment of anglers singing songs. Get it on Amazon. Uh, I think you can live stream it or get it on iTunes. Um, it's a great, great, wonderful record that celebrates our our passion now with this album were you uh, the producer or did you collaborate with a lot of these you know, guys were you accompanying them or yeah what? i actually um i produced it co-produced it with jimmy johnson my good friend the bass player in nashville and uh i uh co-wrote too co-wrote a song with porter wagner and um also got to sing with one of my heroes uh patty loveless she sang oh, on man, one of my songs nice. yeah it was great oh what a great deal yeah well i hope you can find the same caliber of people out here to collaborate with, yeah. but that would be uh, great. Yeah, I know. Is there a, a fishing hip hop song out here yet, oh, or brother. anything? Yeah. You know, some guy sent me a, a fishing hip hop record, um, and you know, I kind of like, I kind of <laughs> like the old school country stuff. But John, I'm going to give you a copy of All Gone Fishing. All right, and then you can play it on your on your show. Oh, I so appreciate that. So you can kind of wet people's appetite, and also feel free free to play anything on this 20th anniversary CD as well. You're such a good friend, and and um, it's it's really great to see you. Well, you know we're lo- we're looking at right now 2019. You can take and polish off that crystal ball. What <laughs> seems to be in the future, or what what road travel is going to make what type of turn to get you where you may want to be? I'll tell you what I'm really involved in now is I'm involved in uh, dog rescue. And I, I work with an organization up in Anza, California called Hope um, uh, Ranch Animal Sanctuary. And we go and we save strays and rescues and, and, uh, and we rehome them. And that's always been a passion of mine in life. Um, on the fishing side of things, I just want to go fishing. I understand. I, I just got to get back out on the water. This is the place to do it, and it starts off with a Fred Hall show for yes, sure. Yeah. All right. Gary Schiebler, if people want to find out more about what you're doing, keep in contact with you. Maybe they have a question where you can get back yeah. and answer them. How's the best way to go about doing go it? Go to Facebook. I have a Thursday Night Fishing Club. That's the latest incarnation of the band, Thursday Night Fishing Club. And um, I have a Facebook page, and people get in touch with me there. Um, and uh, that's probably the best way. All right. Hey, we're going to take a break right now, but uh, you're listening to Rod and Real Radio on AM540. And, Gary, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Uh, we're at the Fred Hall Show. You're one of the most popular guys here because of the fact you have such longevity in the fishing industry. Please keep it up, and good luck to you in the future. Thank you, my friend. All right. Hey, welcome back, everyone. Stan and I are cruising uh, the Fred Hall Show. Again, 
meeting people that uh, we haven't seen in a long while, making new friends, seeing new products. And Stan, you've run across a product here that uh, you'd like to introduce our listeners to. Well, in the last few years, well, let's put it this way. If I'm going long-range fishing, my guys probably spend more money on catching one wahoo than they do on the rest of the trip. So that that one wahoo bait that that'll actually catch them is a pretty important important piece of the the uh, trip for everybody. And one of the new baits that has been introduced in the last couple of years here is a nomad. And this nomad lure has really taken the wahoo guys by storm. And so I ran into nomad here. What's your name? Hey, it's uh, Diamond Olson. Diamond so, Olson. Yeah, Diamond. Diamond Olson. You can tell he's from Texas. Yeah. <laughs> or someplace close some, south of Texas. Someplace somewhere. south of Texas. So, yeah, I'm from Australia. So uh. Well, you know, Damon, there's there's uh, a lot of lures that have come out of Australia, and they've kind of shown the lure makers there in the United States when it comes to catching big fish, just how to go about doing it. And we're looking at a selection of uh, Nomad Design lures in front of us, and I've got to tell you, I'm pretty impressed. Tell us a little bit about what goes behind these and... Tell us a little bit about the company itself. Yeah, so I mean, we uh, we started actually running charter operation in Australia, which we're still running. So Nomad Sport Fishing Adventures is the uh, the charter operation. We've been running that for near on twenty years now. So we're fishing a, an area of the Great Barrier Reef that's very very remote. Catch a lot of big fish there, and that's really where the uh, the lures actually came from. We started designing stuff out of necessity. Uh, that we really needed things that were capable of catching big fish, they're strong, and they're really durable, and, uh, you know, they're going to last. And, you know, some of the things like the DTX, you know, that uh, the guys are using on the long-range trips for Wahoo, uh, that came out of necessity that we wanted a deep-diving minnow that could track straight and was going to be able to catch fish and stand up to a lot of abuse. So, you know, that uh, auto-tune design that we came up with for the, for the bib on there it really allows the lures to track deep and straight and fast and just uh, you know, allows it to catch more fish. So, yeah, the, the tackle company kind of came out of the, uh, the charter operation in Australia and in some ways it was sort of uh, born of necessity and kind of grew from there. So I had an engineering background and kind of, you know, so designing lures was something that, uh, you know, I guess sort of came naturally to me being a fisherman as well. For those of you listening, the... Uh the bait is what we, you would call a Rapala-style bait. Yeah. So it has a deep diving lip on it. And yeah. what he said before, he goes, it, it'll go deep and straight. Yeah. All the sport boat used to hate the Rapala because it would track sideways and back and come back to the center. And it would grab the other guy's lines that are trolling and create a mess. Yeah. Well, these don't do that. And that's why they became one of the most popular new baits. Yeah. Because you can troll them at speeds of eight or nine knots. Exactly. And... They stay steep, deep and straight in the water, and and that deep bait a lot of times now is the first one to get bit because we're not down there very often. Exactly, that's that's the that's the difference. So these all, you know, if you're trolling them behind a normal, not a not a long range boat, you can get them up to 12 knots and they'll dive down to 40 feet. So the long range boats are trolling them eight nine knots, and if you let them back the right distance, they're going to go down to 40 feet. And like I say, the deeper they go, really, the uh, the more fish you're going to catch. Yeah, now that was the auto tune. Uh, yes. Yeah, tell us just a little more about that. How does that work, and yeah. why do you have that on? Yeah, so I mean, it's a it's a system that we've patented that uh, I guess I designed really to allow the lure to track deep and straight. So effectively, it's a it's a metal plate uh, built into the bib, and it kind of floats on two pins inside the bib. So the idea is that the metal plate can actually center itself and auto adjust. So the problem with traditional uh, lipped minnows 
is that you've got a fixed toe point, and if that toe point is not absolutely perfectly centred, the bait's not going to track straight. So the beauty of this is that the toe point actually find its own, finds its own centre of balance and allows it to track straight. Okay. Pretty incredible bait, actually. Yeah. I mean, that's a really great little trick because it, nobody it else has that. No, no. Well, it, was, it, it took a lot of thinking to come up with it, and, and you can imagine, like myself, you know, being a fishing guide, a lot of time out on the water looking at things and thinking about how can I make this better it's like I had the same problem with you know the Rapala style baits not tracking straight so I was like well you know there's got to be a way to make this better so uh, yeah there was a lot of time spent thinking about that and it's uh, something we're pretty proud of. The other thing I see is looking at the selection of lures that you have here uh, is the hook design tell us the uh uh, the rationale be time, be, by the way you have the hooks here. Well, I mean, the, the big single hooks that we're using, I mean, we've been fishing with these in Australia for, you know, best part of 15 years now. And um, essentially using big single hooks uh, is really the most effective way to land big fish. So on some of our smaller baits, we still use trebles, but um, the big single hooks are something that we've just found through experience. They really just catch more fish. Um, they'll get more big fish in the boat for you than a, uh, than a treble. We often sort of say that once you start catching fish over maybe you know it depends on the species but 20 or 30 pounds and upwards we really recommend single hooks because uh, they get they get caught in the jaw and you really get more fish to the boat and I often use the analogy to look at uh, you know look at commercial fishermen as an example uh, they're trying to get as many fish into the boat as they can I've never seen a commercial fisherman use a treble so it's a, it's a simple analogy to sort of let people think about, oh, okay, well, maybe there's a reason to use single hooks. So, uh, yeah, but the hooks are really super sharp. They're super strong. And we want to make sure that when you buy any of our products, you can fish them straight out of the packet and just tie them on and go fishing. And the hooks and the terminal tackle are up to the job. All right. Damon, in this short of time that we have, yeah. we can't talk about all the products. No. But if fishermen... Yeah. are interested in looking at the Nomad products, yeah. where can they go to see the selection? Yeah, if you go to nomadtackle.com, you can check them out. We've got 800 different products in the range, so there's a lot more to it than just the DTX minnow. So there's ev- everything. Basically, if you fish saltwater in uh, Southern California, we've got a, uh, a product that's perfect for you. Damon Olson from uh, Nomad Design, thanks for spending some time with us. Good luck out there. I think what we'll do is I'm going to talk to you further we're going to put some of these in the store down in San Diego. Fantastic. Sounds great, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Stan, let's get going. Let's go. Well, everyone, that's it for tonight. Appreciate you taking the time to listen. I want to thank Otto and the AM540 Studios for putting the show together tonight. Mr. Ben Harvey, our local producer here in San Diego, that helped us get everything together the way he did. And always, in memory of Big Tuna Bill and Eddie McCune, who started the show, And Mr. Paul Leader that helped keep us on the air. Good night, everyone. You have a great weekend. If you can, go out and get them. Someone's getting your fish. The fishing season is here, both freshwater and saltwater, and they're getting away if you don't have a chance to go out and get them. We'll see you next Sunday night. Oh, 